You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Delighted you're, you're here with us. Um, just be, before I jump uh, in this morning, I just kind of want to say something that I think to a number of you might be um, fairly obvious, actually. Uh, we're kind of growing as a church, and... Um, I just went down the kids' corridor this morning. I was like, oh, we've planted another couple of rooms since I last walked down there. And um, I, I kind of wanted to say growth is a really good thing. Uh, I think sometimes you need to say that because it's not always seen that way because the, the challenge with growing is it brings growing pains uh, and that also growing changes things. It, so therefore, it changes how we feel about things. And sometimes it's just worth saying that because it's quite easy to start thinking oh I don't really know anyone anymore or it isn't how it was or I don't uh, need to invite people anymore because it's growing or um, I, I, I felt really welcome at the start but it's not how it was for me anymore and or um, I don't know how to get involved anymore or I've only been here a few weeks do I how do I even get involved and um I kind of wanted to say that because every time something grows 10%, you need to change the structure and you need to change the the kind of the way the system because otherwise it starts to creep. The problem is it's growing quicker than we can kind of keep up with that. And um, I, I wanted to say something because I think we need to avoid ways to find, to avoid falling into those traps because actually growing is a really good thing. Growing is healthy. Growing is part of us stepping towards fulfilling the vision uh, of reaching those that don't know Jesus, also having more resources to plant churches to allow us to continue to reach people who don't know Jesus. In February, I shared a bit more in the vision talk. If you missed that and you knew, I'd encourage you to catch up on it. We'll share again in the next vision talk next February. But for now, I just I kind of just wanted to say, actually, it's a good thing. You know, sometimes we don't always see it as a good thing, but I want us to see it as a, as a good thing. Um, we don't uh, necessarily relate to each other as one room anymore we will relate to each other in smaller rooms and therefore things like small group become even more important and joining teams becomes even more important as we facilitate what's happening and we allow more people into it but also it gives us ways to know other people um, and uh, I, I kind of say some of that because I also want to prepare us our hearts need to be prepared for what's happening um, so that also sometimes we can catch ourselves when we're like, oh, it's changed, it's not how it was. Like, yeah, but that is also actually is a really good thing. And um, I want us to be set, settled and steadied to healthily engage with that. We enjoy what is now. Um, we don't take ourselves seriously. We take Jesus incredibly seriously. And then we try and deal with the hurts and the pains and the growing pains that pop up as we give everything we've got to Christ, his church and his cause. Um, ultimately growth is kind of up to him you know 1 Corinthians 3 verse 7 it's God who makes the seed grow and we've just got to be faithful to allowing the Lord to do all that he wants and to embrace where he puts his mark on things and to continually raise up and invest in leaders to facilitate all that he's doing and we, we have to realize if we if we don't allow ourselves individually to grow which was amazing what the Lord was doing I thought oh here we go again I'm He's stretching me. Um, but if we don't allow ourselves to grow, we get frustrated. And uh, we want to grow. We want to become more like Jesus. We want to collectively become more like Jesus. I guess a good question I'd always ask you is, do you, are, you a, are you a guest or a host? 
I often think, like, come and be a guest for a week, but after that, like, actually, you've been here as long as somebody else. Like, actually, uh, it's now our role to step into inviting people. We had three months over the, off over the summer, so I feel like a, I feel like a guest, but actually, you have to start being a host, and um, we want to intentionally grow and keep stepping into things. I've been so deeply encouraged these last few weeks. I've bumped into a number of people, and virtually everybody's story was the same. It was like I'm seeing people changed. Like, I can actually see people change. Like, they're changing, and I want to be part of this because I want to change. And that's a really good thing. We want to be transformed by Jesus through the power of his spirit. And you can sometimes almost visibly see that happening. So it's, it's an encouraging season. Uh, today, uh, if you're joining us, I want to continue this little series that we've been doing called How To. I want to um, help us be trained and equipped to do the stuff of the kingdom. We want to learn from his life and his teaching, and then we want to go and do it. And so we've been looking at that through the lens of the gospel of Luke. Today, I'm going to jump in with Luke chapter 9. Um, and the overview of, of where I'm trying to go with that is we're gaining an understanding of what to expect. If we live lives sold out for Jesus, I think this is what we should be expecting to see and therefore what we should be expecting to be a part. If we, um, This is what we expect if we listen to Jesus and we learn to follow him. I Honestly, I love being prepared. It's partly why I just said all that I said, but um, if there was a fire in our house, we've got a smoke alarm in every single room, even the cupboards. We've got four fire extinguishers, got multiple first aid kits and burn kits, and um, we could even help our neighbours if they had a flood. I, I just love drama and crisis, and so it causes me to be prepared. Honestly, pray for Steph and the kids, because uh, <laughs> uh, it, that's kind of how it is. But uh, they often say, if you expect the unexpected, then the unexpected doesn't happen. That probably is true for most, but for some reason, I often find I am ready for the unexpected, and it always does seem to happen. Our neighbours came around recently, and the whole of their downstairs of their house had flooded, and I, I had this flood kit. I'm like, I'm in, I'm ready for this. Doesn't matter what time in the morning it is. We've had a few times where somehow things have caught fire in a house and you either chuck them out the back door or trying to get the washing machine out was a bit more of a challenge. But uh, some of the hoovers I just sling out the window. But uh, if, we, if, we, if we forget the drama just for a moment and narrow it to the lens of the kingdom of God, you're like, oh, somehow we still managed to get there to the kingdom of God. But um, I've, I think there's things that we should be prepared for and there's things that we should be looking for. And sometimes preparing ourselves helps us to look for them and to step into them. We want to be stretched and live in a state of readiness for what he wants to do among us. And so just really briefly this morning, I want to look at four things. I want to look at purpose and power, supplies that satisfy, supplies that satisfy the cross and the crown, and then triumph and truth. And uh, Luke chapter 9 you may want to dig into it when you've got a bit more time this afternoon, but it's brilliant because basically Jesus is training his disciples. We want to do this how-to series, but this is literally like a living, breathing how-to. We discover that if we get to know Jesus, Jesus is our great provider and he's going to do stuff and he wants to use us. And the better we get to know him, the more of that provision we start to realize and, and we see. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is purpose and power. 
Luke chapter 9, verse 1 to 2 says this. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. The purpose was to spread the gospel of the kingdom to every nation. The power will be the very authority that Jesus gives himself for them to do it. Everyone who follows Jesus and has him as their Lord receives the same power, but also the same purpose from the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 verse 18, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He gives us not only purpose, but he gives us power to fulfill that purpose. It's power for a purpose. Sometimes I think we fall into a trap where we want to see his power, but actually then we don't want necessarily want to do anything with it. All that we saw this morning, the presence of God upon us, his power's in his presence. We can't just now contain that and hold that. We have to go and do something about it. If we really want to see the power it's going to be as we step out, sharing and spreading our faith and the truth of Jesus with the world around us. It's so often said that the meeting place is the training place for the marketplace. We get filled up, we're trained, we're equipped, and then we go out and we do it. So often we read in the New Testament that we see that the, the Spirit of God came on people for boldness to share their faith. I was hearing just this last week that one of you was stood at the tram stop waiting for the tram. That's probably why you were at the tram stop. But as you're waiting for the tram, you kind of just felt the nudge and the prompting of the Holy Spirit to, to pray for someone. And uh, if you're anything like me, you get that heart in your mouth thing. I don't want to ever say I'm a professional at it. I think we're all learners of how to do this. My heart's in my mouth, whatever that even means. But you kind of got the, you know, like, oh, gosh, here we go. And uh, anyway, you, you, the, you had that. They were sharing with me. I had their permission to share this. But they had that slight moment of hesitation, you know. But then they, they felt another nudge of the spirit. And I kind of love this one. It was like they felt that the tram wasn't going to come until they did. And literally, as they thought that, the tram delayed sign pops up. And uh, anyway, 15 minutes and no tram. They step out and they pray for this guy. And literally, as they said, amen, the tram turns up. And I, I want to I say this. I really want to celebrate that. Because this is, this is about courage. It's not about success. If, I, I have to be honest, that might have taken me about four hours. Because I, I, it's not easy. But we learn to do it. And the more we do it, the more we learn to do it and the easier it becomes. I often think I have this ratio of sharing my faith of about one in 20 that semi goes all right. And then the other 19, it's an absolute car crash. And all I'm trying to do is just reduce that ratio. Don't be deterred in your first attempt. We have to keep faithfully sowing the seed because the power comes for a purpose. And actually, as we step into the purpose, we start to see the power. Some of you will be really struggling with a lack of purpose at the moment. Who am I? What am I about? Why do I bother? Why do I feel flat? You know, the low feeling that sometimes that you can get and that kind of... Every day just feels like it's bleeding together with other days. And though you try, you can't find an interest or a pursuit for your life. And sometimes that lack of meaning can feel like a really thick, suffocating fog 
that is that is choking you. And I, I don't say this lightly because I know that's true for, for some of you. You're literally drowning in pain and confusion. But Jesus honestly can blow that away. He can blow away that smoke and that fog and he clears our vision and he gives us meaning and he gives us purpose as he connects us actually to his purpose to reach the entire world. And when we start to increasingly embrace Jesus' purpose and power that comes in that, it refines our entire life and it gives us reason for living and being. We no longer start to live for career and house and clothes and you know whatever it might be those things start to fade into the background and into the foreground starts to come Jesus and the cross and the salvation of the world and then the entire world becomes the theater for acting out the drama that God plans for our lives because the gospel not only saves a soul but it gives purpose and it gives power to a soul you know, as the 12 disciples live in Jesus' power and purpose, they are to learn to depend completely and solely on Jesus. We, we see this. It says in verse 3, take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick or a traveler's bag, food or money or even a change of clothes. Moreover, as the disciples start to live in this power and purpose, they're to expect opposition, but they're not to be discouraged by that opposition. In fact, they're to stand as witnesses in those times and those places, regardless of what comes at them. Verse 5 says this, And if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. Jesus' power and his purpose motivates them to keep moving and to keep sharing Jesus, regardless of the opposition they face. I'm not deterred by opposition. It's hard, but I expect it. And if we expect it, I think it has less of a chance of taking us out at the kneecaps. There will be resistance when you step into sharing your faith but we have a purpose we have a mandate we have a calling and as we step into that we start to release and see an increase in the power of God displayed the miracles are so often found in this in-between moment and that's the place of expectancy and the place that actually becomes a joy because we start to see the power of God manifest among us this purpose and there's power. The second thing I want to talk about is supplies that satisfy. It says this, verse 10. When the apostles returned, they told Jesus everything they had done. Then they slipped away quietly with them towards the town of Bethsaida. But the crowds found out where he was going and they followed him. He welcomed them and taught them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who were sick. Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so that they could find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, you feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men. <clears throat> Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. So the people sat down 
Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up towards heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and the fish to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Jesus and the disciples go to Bethsaida. We see it in verse 10. It's a wilderness place. Crowds come from literally everywhere. And he welcomes them and he heals them and he teaches them about the kingdom. We see it in verse 11. And then they stay out there all day and it's getting late into the evening and the people haven't had dinner. You kind of see it in verse 12. Does, does that verse, does that passage kind of remind you of Moses wandering with Israel in the wilderness for 40 years? Do you remember what God did for Israel's hunger in the wilderness? He showered them with manna and quail. God supplied their needs. And yet in that moment, the Israelites grumbled because they weren't satisfied. Jesus, I think, teaches us a really valuable lesson. And like Moses, Jesus is kind of saying, look, I, I supply and I satisfy your needs. I don't actually know how this miracle happened. I've read it so many times and I've often wondered, did the loaves and the fish just miraculously keep appearing in the baskets? Did the loaves and the fish all appear at once? Did they fall from the sky? I guess the reality is we don't fully know. I don't even know how a person would process an event like that if they even realised fully exactly what had happened. But I, I, I know this. Jesus had a point to make. And it's a point that everybody, I think, would do well to heed and listen, that when the 12 fed the 5,000 men and he's got them like almost grouping them into these smaller groups of 50 or so, over and over and over again, they could see Jesus meeting physical need. And when each of the disciples came back with a basket of leftovers, it's kind of like I not only supply your needs, but more than. Do you, do you trust me? I think that's a message that we do well to hang on to. Jesus supplies, but he also satisfies. Verse 17, they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. They didn't just eat. They ate well. There was leftovers. They were satisfied. I, I think they enjoyed the taste. I think the fish would have been delicious. I, I honestly can't stand fish. I'd, even um, fish fingers is like my line. They're okay, but I, I, I don't know. But I think they would, have, they would have been delighted by what they ate. They were hungry. And not only were they satisfied, they had more than they need. That there was leftovers. It was delicious. And it was exactly the same that happened with the water that he turned into wine at Cana. It was said to be the most delicious wine that people had ever tasted. There's something about feasting on the Lord and the thing that he offers that is not just enough, it's more than enough. He supplies, but he also satisfies. And his promise to supply and satisfy our needs kind of runs throughout the Bible. Isaiah 55 Verse 1, if anyone is thirsty, come and drink, even if you have no money. Come and take your choice of wine and milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. 
Matthew 6, verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all I need. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Do you believe Jesus will supply, but also that he will satisfy I think we have to come to that place of hearing him and responding to him, being so soft to him that we start to see it and realize it. And then we expect the Lord not only to supply, but also to satisfy our needs. It's our needs, not our wants, but isn't it so phenomenal how he does it? There's always abundance in the goodness of God. It's power with purpose. It's supplies that satisfy. And then there's the cross and then the crown. Verse 23 says this. Then Jesus said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up on your own way. (laughs) If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up on your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try and hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up on your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourselves are lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. I tell you the truth, some standing there right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God. If I wasn't stood before you all right now, I'd spend the rest of my day just dwelling on if you want to be my follower, you must give up on your own ways. I kind of almost want to stop there, but when Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus explains what that means in terms of betrayal and crucifixion and resurrection. And then Jesus teaches the disciples that following him as their Christ has a requirement, it has a reason, and it has a reward. As we ponder that, I think there's a requirement, a reason, and a reward. The discipleship really requires a cross, We've got to be so careful that we don't let Instagram or whatever it is define Jesus for us. If following Jesus meant just clicking a button, everyone's going to be in. Everyone's going to do it. Verse 23, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus goes to the cross so that we who follow him might also go to a cross he dies for us and we die with him the cross of suffering and the death of that comes first in the christian life which dietrich bonhoeffer once said this when christ bids a man die sorry when christ bids a man to follow him he must bid that also he comes and he first dies that's a requirement the cross is necessary as the hymn writer said there is no other way than to trust and obey. We can't follow a crucified saviour without a cross of our own. Cross carrying is humbling. Let him deny himself. We can't follow Jesus and at the same time come first. We have to deny ourselves. We have to say no to our desires so that we can say yes to Jesus. He's a king and we're the servants. We're the slaves to a Christ. This cross carrying, I think, is a daily thing. Let him daily take up his cross and follow me. 
it's kind of, I don't know how you think about that, but I don't think that means no holidays, no sick days. You know, there's no summer break to carrying the cross. Every morning we've got to wake up and say almost good morning, my cross. Don't turn to your spouse and say that. You'll be in a right mess. But stand, stand before Jesus and every morning we, 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 we die to ourselves to take up what he wants. It's not what I want, how I want it. It's not, hey, that doesn't sit comfortably for me. Culture goes in this new direction and, you know, the traditional people, they just need to move on and get with the new program and get with what's happening at the moment. I don't think it's like that. Hey, my, my life, my career, my money, my time, my car, my parenting, my choices with my sexuality, my attitude, my language, my jokes, my pain, my insecurity, my, 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 whatever it is, we deny ourselves and we take up the way of Jesus. Galatians 2 verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 5, 24, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Galatians six fourteen. but as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through the cross and I to the world. That's the requirement. What's the reason? The reason we carry our cross. We're required to carry our cross because life lies on the other side of it. Verse 24, if you try and hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. The death in discipleship is actually the door to life and to eternal life. Some of you will almost be struggling because you're trying to live a life of both hand. Verse 25, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost and destroyed? Nothing in the world, not even the entire world itself, is worth our souls. You know, in so many ways, the, what the world offers is this soulless and soul-destroying system. So we're required to abandon the world to save our souls. I, I guess, really, if you ponder nothing else today, I'd say this. I want to invite you to come and give it all up again. I don't think we ever stop doing that. I think it's a daily cross. I found myself in worship just giving it all up again because that's where we're going to find true life. My life is not my own. It's his. There's a requirement. There's a reason. What's the reward? What's the reward for the way of the cross? Well, it's the crown. Verse 26, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. He's coming back in glory. That's where our hope sits and our hope lies. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of glory. Our blessed hope is in the glorious appearing of our Saviour from heaven. 
That's what happens. We will see his glory and be transformed into his glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18, so all of us who have had this veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him as we're changed into his glorious image. I long for you. I long for myself that we'd become more like Jesus. I'm so deeply encouraged, as I said earlier, in these last few weeks, that a number of you, about seven of you, have said your reason for joining this church is because literally right in front of your eyes, you're seeing lives changed. You've seen others changed and you want to be changed. Isn't that what we long for? Jesus changed me. I can't change others, but I can change myself. We present ourselves to Jesus. We come as we are, but we don't stay as we are. And he changes us. That we'd, as 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, we'd see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And that the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like him as we're changed into his glorious image. For all the self-denial and the suffering of the cross in this life, those who receive and follow Jesus will get unending glory and joy in the life to come. Don't be ashamed. Look to his glorious coming. This is what makes it wise to die daily in order to live forever. I know for some of you, you're really having to currently go against the grain, against the culture, against the workplace vibe, against the, the, the kind of the, the attitudes, the behaviours and the cultures at uni. You know, let's just get wasted. Tell whatever joke you want to tell. Lads, 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 lads. I don't know, I see this and I'm like, none of it. I'm here to die to the ways of the world so that I might reveal and gain Jesus' way. Verse 27, I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God. Verse 28, about eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John and James up to the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. For our encouragement and I think for our hope, Luke kind of joins together some of the transfiguration that we see in verse 28 and some of the promise that we see in verse 27 that we get to see the kingdom of God breaking in to the here and now. It's not all about waiting. Some of what I just talked about was about what's to come. But it's often said, and we often say, it's not pie in the sky when you die, it's steak on your plate while you wait. You know, there's something in the here and now. We long for the kingdom of God to break in here and now. And we've got a part to play in ushering that in. And we want to see it. We want to see the reign and rule of God in our midst. The final thing, and I kind of end with this, is the triumph and the truth. The disciples in verses 37 to 40 couldn't cast out a demon out of this man's son. Verse 38 says, and the, a man in the crowd called out to him, teacher, I beg you to look at my son, my only child, an evil spirit keeps seizing him and making him scream. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It batters him and hardly ever leaves him alone. I begged your disciples to cast out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. They kind of tried and they failed, even though they'd been given authority to do so. The problem apparently was their unbelief. There was a seed of doubt. Verse 41, Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you and put up with you? 
Then he said to the man, bring your son, your son here. Some things only come through prayer and fasting, which are really disciplines for us to live by. Some things we cannot do in our own strength and nothing is safe ever to try anyway in our own strength. I think here's the lesson. Our triumph over evil is won in Jesus. Verse 42, as the boy came forward, a demon knocked him to the ground, threw him into this violent convulsion, but Jesus rebuked the evil spirit and healed the boy. Then he gave him back to his father. He defeats our enemies. And our task is to stand in faith in the victory that he's already won. You know, when we read verses like Ephesians 6, verse 10 says this, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you will stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens for this reason take up the full armor of god so that you may be able to resist the evil day and having prepared everything take your stand sometimes we have to stand firm that's how we triumph by taking our stand by faith with and in jesus that's how we escape being part of this unbelieving perverse generation the verse 41 talks about if we triumph with jesus then jesus gives us and jesus releases truth because he is truth notice the difference though between the disciples and the crowds in verse 43 to 45 it says all grip the people as they saw this majestic display of God's power while everyone was marveling at everything he was doing Jesus said to the disciples listen to me and remember what I say the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies but they didn't know what he meant its significance was hidden from them so they couldn't understand it and they were afraid to ask him about it the priceless thing in the text is not the casting out of the demon the greatest thing about jesus isn't his miracle working the greatest thing about jesus is the cross and the resurrection that's the main thing the crowd kind of missed it because they were dazzled by the deliverance the crowd is amazed but belief is more than astonishment belief requires revelation from god and true belief requires truth to believe verse 45 they didn't know what he meant his significance was hidden from them so they couldn't understand it and they were afraid to ask him about it that's what jesus gives the disciples in verse 34 he says listen to me and remember what i say if we have ears to hear then we marvel at the truth that jesus died for us the disciples somehow I guess it's obvious, but they still didn't get it, verse 45. They've heard at least three times in the last couple of weeks, they were at a prayer meeting with Jesus in verse 18, and they're on the Mount of Transfiguration in verse 31, and here they've got a miraculous healing, and they don't get it, and yet, tragically, they're still afraid to ask. When we walk with Jesus, I honestly believe we see triumph, but the greatest things will be the truth that we gather from him in relating to him we all need to be people that grow in our knowledge of jesus i said earlier if we don't grow we start to get frustrated we have to be a growing people no one's knowledge is ever complete 
We can't let the seed that is sown remain as a seed. It has to grow. We have to water it. We have to step into it. We have to long for more of it because we don't want to be people that stagnate. We want to be people that grow. Why don't we make some space to do exactly that? Let's just stand together and invite the Spirit of God to move upon us. There's a richness in his presence this morning. There's a, there's a tangible sense of it. Let's just let's open ourselves to him. Spirit of God, we welcome you. We welcome you. Just increase our awareness of his presence. These are powerful moments where he transforms us into his likeness. There was such a posture of surrender this morning. Almost a posture of consecration again. In our lives down. Let's remind ourselves as well this morning that just in this moment that dying to ourselves is, is the door, it's the, the gateway to our discipleship, to our freedom. Dying to self is the, is the way of the disciple. And so I pray that just now in this space in our in our hearts that we will be willing to die to ourselves again and again and again to make way for God to be glorified in us and to be made more into his likeness
think for some of you, you'll be aware of things that you've grabbed hold of, things that you're holding on to that you're not particularly willing to lay down. And I just encourage you to, to bring it before, bring it before Jesus again. Lay it at the foot of the cross and, yeah, just be, be willing to do that, to step into that place today and tomorrow and every day. Some of you specifically, I just sense that um, some of you will have had an awareness of the presence of God this morning and it's not necessarily something specific that's said, but you just, I want to encourage you to step into that. Allow it to be more. Allow what's almost started to, um, like a, I want to fan the flame of that. I want to see it become more than it is. Some of you, I think, uh, there's a there's a laying down moment of a, the the awareness you have of resistance of some of the pains and, um, like gripping things in your heart that have held you back from stepping now into into the fullness of the life that he has for you. It's almost like a line in the sand moment. It feels like this morning there's a fresh moment of consecration, consecration and desperation for the Lord to break in, I think. Um, physically, um, I feel like there's a, there's a few of you will have... Um, there'll be a number of things you'll want to respond to physically because the Lord always brings healing, but specifically I feel that there's a few people here where you have pain in your um, knees and pain in the, particularly in the right side of your back. I feel like the Lord is uh, wanting to highlight you this morning because he wants to get your attention over that. I feel some of it is even symbolic that he wants to strengthen your knees in this moment. Some of you, it's like there's been a, there's been a pain in your back that has cost you from... Uh, an ability to um, stand and to carry weight, uh, even symbolically. I think you would want to pray that that is broken off you. I think uh, I feel like there might be somebody here as well where you've had um, it's been a recent thing, but a persistent thing where you've had a, like a mouth infection. And if if you are specifically, I'd love just to gather some people to pray for that because I think the Lord may want to do something more than just the the physical. I sense as well there's a his presence is so thick where his presence is there's power I think there is a boldness and there's an outpouring of boldness that comes for sharing our faith I think some of you will have heard that story I shared about the tram and almost felt I wish I had the ability to step into those moments I think the Lord enables when you receive something afresh from him today a deposit of that for that There's a, a real kind of weightiness in the room this morning as well. And um, whilst in some ways you could interpret that as like sort of like a somber feeling, I don't think it is. I think there's um, the fear of God is is coming on on some of you in a new way, in a really good, good way. And um, I just encourage you to really step into that, to embrace that.
So let's let's respond. Let's um, let's pray for one another. If you would like to receive prayer, why don't you just come down to the front now? Um, and we won't leave leave these people long. Um, if you're in a small group in the life of the church, we'd love you to come and just stand alongside these people and pray and bless what the Lord's doing. Just as people responded, the prayer team shared another sense that someone's heart is actually being shaken, like you've almost had a physical feeling in your chest that God is getting your attention and, and calling you to stand forward in a new, in a new season. Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.